back into the Gray Scott Show. Been a fun show this morning. Coach Michael Desimo, Olympic medalist Hollis Conway, and now we have Dan Luss, sports attorney, podcast host for the Conduct Detrimental, the sports law coverage that you get with he and his partner over there, and um, just tremendous insight, professor at New York Law School, and uh, our guest right now here on the Great Scott Show. Good morning, Dan. I imagine uh, the sports world has kept you busy as of late with some of the stories out of the NFL. Scott, I was going to say, you missed one thing in my byline. Maybe the most uh, busy man in America in the last three days between uh, all those fun stories we're going to get into. But uh, I'm like a kid in a candy store right now, so I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. What, what is, well, off the top, as, as a lawyer, what's the most intriguing? Let's start with the Deshaun Watson thing. What is the most intriguing aspect of where we're at now, which I correct me if I'm wrong, the latest is the NFL plans to appeal. There are reports out there that they're looking maybe a year, maybe 12, a fine. What, what is most intriguing in the, the latest developments in this Deshaun Watson situation? So I like how you ask it as intriguing. I'll, I'll give you just my, my overall thoughts. Like I, in addition to being a, you know, a lawyer, I, I am a casual better, right? Sports betting is legal over in New York. I think it's very interesting to watch these sports betting lines kind of and these sports books kind of panic, right? I, I don't know if there are lawyers on staff helping them come up with these lines, but, you know, if you're really following it, there's some uh, some trends to take advantage of, right? Watson hit, hit with this, uh, you know, the fact that the NFL appealed. I think the Browns over-underline for the season went from like nine and a half to eight and a half, and I'm sitting here as the attorney, right? I watched the Tom Brady saga play out. Brady was suspended, but he took the case to federal court, and that suspension didn't take effect for a full season. So the line just moved by a full win, yet the most recent case we have on point, Tom Brady, he didn't serve his suspension that year. He actually served it the following year. So someone in the sports books is not paying attention to legal precedent. So I, I find that part to be intriguing. So uh, we can get into it. But I, I, I find that interesting that the betting markets don't really not really paying attention to these legal stories in, in the ways that they should. So with that, like... <sighs> The, the the Players Association made it clear they weren't going to appeal, and when they did that, that was I guess Sunday evening. We kind of figured, okay, this Rob this this Sue Robinson uh, decision might not be as strong as as perhaps we were thinking it was going to be. Then the NFL appeals. We don't know exactly how long yet, but the fact that the, the like at, I doubt that Deshaun Watson and and the PA is going to appeal now. I mean, I, I guess they could do it in the next thirty minutes. Like they're what what's their strategy, uh, assuming that the NFL appeals? But like, what once that happens, what is the strategy from Watson and the Players Association? Uh, here's, I mean, the, it's a couple things, right? The NFL controls the appeal, so the NFL PA, you know, the NFL is appealing to essentially themselves. They're appealing to Roger Goodell or whoever he appoints to hear the hearing. So literally, the NFL could be appealing to Roger Goodell. So. The fact that the NFL appealed, right, I think they have some indication of the fact that they're going to win on appeal, that the suspension is going to be up to a number, maybe a year, maybe some, somewhere in the middle. Um, and even if Goodell appoints someone to kind of serve, uh, you know, as the, the quote-unquote, like, independent person here, it's Goodell appointing someone. So, you know, if Goodell appoints someone and that person decides against Roger Goodell, 
uh, probably that person is never going to get an appointment from Goodell again. So, you know, it's kind of dirty pool uh, at this level of the appeal. If I'm the NFLPA, what my strategy is, is to make this thing as messy as possible, right? Because I think there, there's one thing that the NFLPA, uh, you know, and Watson and the league, they're all in agreement on. They all do want this thing in the past. The NFL wants it put in the past with a much heavier suspension, so they don't be seen as being a light on women's rights. And the NFLPA and Watson won in the past because they just want their player to focus on football. So if the NFLPA makes this as messy as possible, I think that's going to force or get a better likelihood of forcing a settlement between the two parties because the NFL doesn't really want this thing to go to federal court. Um, and I don't think Watson does either, but if Watson threatens to muddy the waters, hey, I'll come public about the arguments I want to make about the owners, right, about how Bob Kraft wasn't suspended for his allegations with respect to, you know, a massage parlor, those type of conversations, those type of news stories, I think the NFL wants to avoid. So if I'm the NFLPA, if I'm one of those lawyers that's arguing the case, my goal here is to make this thing as messy as possible to try to work a settlement, to try to make the NFL want this thing to go away. Yeah, I... I... I agree with that. I, I brought that up Monday. We were on the air when the news broke, and I said, I expect the NFL to appeal, but maybe not for a really stiff, year-long, huge fine because they want the NFLPA to accept it because they don't want, you know, the NFLPA made it pretty clear, as you know, Dan, like, all right, if you guys want to take this far, we're just going to remind everybody of all the dirty laundry. And since Goodell represents the owners, I was thinking yeah, they're going to appeal because they have to because they don't want to look weak. But I, I guess I was wrong because a lot of maybe I wasn't, but a lot of the reports and suggestions rather that I've seen from those that are citing sources is that the NFL is going to go for something pretty significant. So does that just mean that there are, there's enough owner support? I mean, maybe Robert Kraft or Jerry Jones or Dan Snyder doesn't want this thing to go to federal court, but is, are there enough other owners that are like, you know, we don't mind. And as the majority here, go ahead and, and, and you know, hit them, with, hit them with a year, hit them with a huge fine. Um, it's tough to say, right? I think there's two – when I was trying to figure out whether the NFL was going to appeal this or not, one of the decisions on not appealing was like, hey, if you appeal this – you basically cheapen Judge Robinson's role in the whole case. So uh, the NFL decided that didn't matter. They chose the blue pill. The blue pill was, hey, we don't want to look light to, you know, these women's rights groups and these groups coming out and saying the suspension was too light. Um, the other group, the one that you mentioned, is, right, the owners. In the backdrop of all this, which we shouldn't lose sight on, somehow Deshaun Watson's team turned this situation into giving him the largest guaranteed contract in NFL history, $230 million. So... Okay, it's great for the player, right? It's a big win for player empowerment. But if it's a big win for the players, right, I, and the other way, it's viewed as a big loss for ownership that they're losing control over that guaranteed money. So, you know, I've, I've heard the conspiracy theorists saying that people are upset at the Browns for giving out that money to a player, right, who was in the middle of a sexual assault investigation and whatnot. So, yeah, there, there's certainly that angle of it. Um, you know, Scott, I, I, uh, you know, I did mention I, I'm watching this from, like, the betting perspective, just how my, my brain works. Watson took, like, a crazy gamble if you really think about what he did. There were reports that he could have uh, accepted 12 games from the NFL and just moved on. No decision from Judge Robinson. He would have, could have accepted 12 games, and this thing is put in the past. So Watson gambled, A, that Judge, uh, we'll, we'll call it like a legal parlay, so to speak, you know, and you have to win both ends of it. Watson gambled that, A, Judge Robinson was going to issue a fine of less than, or a suspension of less than 12 games. So you got the first leg of the parlay, right? But the second leg of the parlay was that the NFL wouldn't, appeal this. 
So obviously he got that that leg wrong. And in parlay world, you know, you need to get both right or else you lose the bet. And that bet is going to be a costly one because the NFL is reportedly looking at a suspension of an indefinite length of at least a year. And the way this was initially reported like a month ago when this started circulating, you know, or, or, you know, circulated that the NFL was looking for this, that indefinite length is whenever the NFL feels he's ready to be reinstated. So it's the same suspension that Calvin Ridley got. You know, he's suspended for at least a year because of the sports betting. And then it's up to the NFL as to whether they were whether and to what extent they want to reinstate him. Uh, and I think for Watson's purposes, that's probably when his uh, civil cases run up, uh, when, they, when the last case goes to trial, which at least at this point is scheduled for April of 2023. Um, but, you know, you know no, no guarantee that case is actually heard for trial in April 2023. That could extend into next year's offseason. And then uh, all of a sudden we're here once again, Scott. So a very big gamble on Watson's part, and I, I think one that was probably ill-advised, all things considered. Interesting. ESPN Lafayette, great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather, visiting with sports attorney Dan Lust. Um, uh, from a salary standpoint, it's been well-documented, the layout of his salary, right? $230 million guaranteed as long as he's not suspended. Um, minimal game checks in this season, so he doesn't lose a lot of money if he's suspended for games. But if you get to next season and he's suspended, that changes. I think that's another reason maybe you know they don't want this thing to get dragged out or why the, the Players Association wouldn't appeal. But um, the salary side of this I find interesting because, one, it has to be at play in the mind of Watson and his lawyers and how – Look, if we're going to miss some time, we want it to be now as opposed to later. And then two, the optics of it, right? The NFL doesn't want to say, well, you know, you had all these accusations, you settled some civil suits, and you still became the highest paid player ever uh, and barely lost any money. Um, what, what is, like, you mentioned the, the betting side of things and how it interests you. The layout of his contract and the, I'm not going to say finagling, but the... Um, Ah, what's the word I'm looking for? The strategy involved from both his agent and I would guess some lawyers. How, how much does that interest you? And, and is there a, a side to this story that maybe, you know, the public isn't talking about all that much? Definitely interests me. And I think finagling is probably the right word, Scott. Is that, is that a legal term? Uh, you would know. You're the lawyer, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so here's the thing, right? Uh, for better or for worse, the real MVP from a business perspective, is Deshaun Watson's agent, who used this leverage, created a, a bidding war, so to speak, you know, between, I think it was the Falcons, uh, the Panthers, and the Saints, who were all trying to get Deshaun Watson, um, you know, after the he was cleared of criminal charges, at least uh, for the time being, uh, to develop this bidding war. Uh, so, you know, that's how he got that salary. And then when the dust cleared, $1 million base salary for this year, and then I think it's a $46 million base salary for 2023. So, again, it's speaking to the same kind of gambling odds and trying to figure out what Watson will do. Watson has clearly threatened to take the case to federal court. Now, could that be a threat to work a better settlement? Sure. And what's the narrative for saying that he's not actually going to take this to federal court? It's the one that you just mentioned. If this suspension, uh, you know, if, if Watson, let's say, which we do expect, we do expect him to get an increased suspension from this intermediate level of appeal. And then the question is whether to take it to federal court. So if Watson does that, he will, you know, generally, as players do with what Zeke did, what Brady did, what I would tell my client to do is when you take it to federal court, you seek what's called a temporary restraining order or an injunction. Same, same premise. That would basically stay the NFL suspension, which you know, we kind of got into with respect to that week one business. 
But if that case, right, lasts for an entire year at the federal court circuit, which it might, right, the wheels of justice turn very slowly, then that suspension doesn't take it, you know, into effect until the following year, 2023. So right now, people have, you know, well reported that six missed game checks for Watson on a $1 million base salary. I don't know, that's like 300000 It's a lot of money, but for Watson, who just signed a $45 million signing bonus, it's not that big of a deal. But if he were to miss like six games, 10 games, 12 games in 2023, all of a sudden you have to deduct that from a $46 million salary. So if you miss half the season and you're getting paid $46 million, that's all of a sudden $23 million that you're losing in, in suspension. So the finagling to give Watson a $1 million base salary for this year I think done was was done with the anticipation or expectation that he'd get you know, suspended for ten games, twelve games, some amount of games that would be contained within this upcoming season. But if you appeal it and you really fight this thing on its merits uh, all the way up to federal court, you know then you're then you're risking that forty six million dollars. So my my inclination is that there, this case will be settled at some point in time for uh, a higher number than six, but a number that contains all of the games within this twenty twenty two season. But We'll see. Watson, uh, he, he said he's done nothing wrong, right? He's had his press conferences. People have chastised him, including Judge Robinson, for not showing any remorse. So if he wants to fight this thing up on the merits and just say, I didn't do anything, I am not accepting a settlement, then uh, all bets are off. Really, this could, this could uh, carry into 2023, which for us sports lawyers, I mean, that would be a treat for us. I'm, I'm happy to take it. Dan Lust, our guest. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Sports Law Lust and check out the Conduct Detrimental Podcast, the Sports Law Intersection, at Con Detrimental on Twitter. You can learn how to get all of their good stuff there, the weekly newsletter, the pod, and whatnot. Um, one other football, uh, well, a couple other football stories, Dan, if you have a minute. Um, Dan Snyder, I mean, the guy's a scumbag. I have no problem saying it. Um, has been, is, will continue to be. Uh, manages to continue to skate by. The Washington Commanders fan base wants nothing more than for him to just be gone but he's always wielded a lot of power. He's always gotten away with quite a bit. Um, you know, is 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 his upcoming you know testimony? Is he going to just continue to do what he always does, which is just be a scumbag, but just just slip right through? Scott, is uh, scumbag a legal term of art too? I, you it got is me on for, the it is for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is the interesting one. There's probably one other NFL story we can we can pack in here, right? So. Um, you know, Snyder, uh, I, I think, right, I, I don't know if the NFL wants to suspend him again. You know, he testified uh, very, um, you know, uh, private, uh, you know, no, no one's heard or seen a, a word of the transcript of these depositions. Obviously, Roger Goodell testified in front of Congress, and it was, you know, we, Scott, we live-streamed it for two and a half hours giving live commentary. We, we made a spectacle out of that, but Snyder didn't give anyone that opportunity because as a condition to his testifying in front of Congress, he said no television cameras, no public testimony. And, uh, you know, from what I'm hearing, at least my sources around the situation, he's fighting to have that transcript ever released. So we might not ever know what he said during those uh, insane 11 hours uh, of reported testimony. But, uh, you know, where, where I, I think things get interesting, right? Uh, analogous, you know, the timing has been crazy in NFL circles. You know, I did allude to the fact that just sports law story after sports law story. Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, Get suspended for six games, find $1.5 million, team docked, uh, you know, to draft picks, a first rounder and a third rounder because of, uh, you know, allegations pertaining to tanking, right, losing games on purpose and also tampering. So, you know, and obviously a written report was issued with respect to what the Dolphins did wrong. So 
people, I think, rightfully are saying, okay, you guys just hit Stephen Ross over the head and you issued a, a written report, right, a scathing report. Where is that report for Dan Snyder, right? Why, why is Dan Snyder, you know, in an, on an indefinite leave of absence? What did you find that he did wrong? We can look at the Watson report and the Judge Robinson decision. It's tangible. It's 16 pages. You can hold it in your hand. You can see that Judge Robinson found that Deshaun Watson engaged in four counts of sexual assault, that, that the NFL met their burden, right? We don't know what Snyder did. We don't know what, why the NFL fined him. I think it was $10 million. And this, the NFL's lack of transparency, I think, is a little alarming. That they don't even want to tell you what they found that, that Snyder did wrong. So um, we'll see. I think the added pressure of the Ross case and now the Watson case, I think it might force the NFL's hand to kind of reopen the Snyder saga and really let the public in on, on what Snyder has done wrong, what he was accused of, and really what they found occurred. Um, you know, we, we need that level of transparency in 2022. Seems like he'll I, – I agree with you, but – I'll believe it when I see a type of deal because this guy tends to just skate by. And, um, you know, you mentioned the Dolphins one. I, I always pay attention to the strategy of when the NFL releases certain statements, right? I'm on the email list, so I get the email when the news breaks. Oh, Miami, they, you know, they, they basically write out the report and the details of it. And I laughed when I got to the part about tanking, which was basically – he said it, but he didn't mean it. Ha, ha, ha. Um, but all the other stuff he said and did, he definitely was sincere about. And they can't come out and actually admit that, you know, he was, they, that he told the coach, I'll pay you 100 grand to tank a game and mean it, um, because they can't acknowledge that for all kinds of reasons, which I think everybody listening is smart enough to understand why. Um, but I, they, two different investigations, right? There's a reason they released it all at once, and it wasn't just because they wanted to get it all out of the way. You released, hey, we looked into the tanking thing, but he wasn't serious, and that's the only thing out there. Well, guess what? That's going to be the talking point. That's going to be the vocal point. Everyone's going to say, are you kidding me? But you release all the other stuff at the same time um, about tampering, and tampering happened, and they got fined, and Tom Brady's involved, and Sean Payton's involved, and you have these big names and all this other stuff, and now that kind of becomes the focus. And now people are arguing, well, why wasn't Brady punished? Or why, why did this happen? Or why, why was Miami punished this badly? Whatever side you wanted to take on it. And my thing, I just kept rolling my eyes at the tanking thing. I'm like, come on, man. Like, this should be the talking point because this is the serious thing. This is the most serious accusation in my mind. And, you know, I, I just, there, there is always, and you know this, Dan, there is always a strategy a big strategy to how and when the NFL releases these findings. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm in lockstep with you. It's almost like a, you know a sleight of hand trick. They're like, hey, look over here. This was the worst tampering allegations of all time. And uh, yeah, we we did find what Brian Flores said happened. And uh, Stephen Ross said this a couple times, offering uh, money to lose games. But don't worry about that. The tampering thing is what we we care about. Right. Um, yeah. I. I uh, I don't, I don't buy it either. I'll give you a little bit of a, a legal lesson, Scott, for, for you and your listeners. You know, what, what essentially the NFL is saying is that Stephen Ross said this, right? They're confirming Brian Flores' account that, that Stephen Ross actually offered him money to lose games on purpose. But they're like, hey, he didn't mean it. He was joking. Not a big deal. So for legal purposes, the actual standard, if someone makes an offer to do something in contract law and they're joking, right? Like, Scott, I'll pay you a million dollars if you climb the flagpole or something. Whatever, whatever I could say that maybe seems like a joke. The standard is whether the person that heard that offer thought that was a real offer, and then you have to judge them on a reasonable person standard. So if a reasonable person 
viewed my offer like a million dollars to climb the flagpole, uh, I'd probably think that person, you know, that's not a reasonable offer, right? I think the person would understand that I'm joking. Now, for Flores' purposes, I think his recollection is that, you know, Stephen Ross said it multiple times, right? And and Flores, who I, I would consider a reasonable person, right? He's an NFL head coach, uh, you know, uh, with the Dolphins, and now he's with the Steelers, really highly thought of guy. Um, he he thought this was a serious offer, so much so that, according to him, he reduced this to a writing as almost a complaint within the organization. Like, I feel uncomfortable of these comments that Ross is making. So from Flores' perspective, he thought this was a real offer to lose games on purpose. And why wouldn't he, right? Hashtag tank for Tua. I remember that social media every very well at the time. So they almost believed Brian Flores, but, like, they didn't want to go as far as to actually give him the credibility because, Scott, like, in the process of this whole Deshaun Watson thing, right, if the NFL came out and said we are, you know, punishing the, the Dolphins because we believe the allegations that the owner of the team bribed the coach to lose and they lost on purpose, I mean, that would be the story of all stories. So I think they had to do this sleight-of-hand trick to kind of get us off the scent, but it, it didn't fool you or I. I, I, I read that decision. I, I think we all know why they were actually being punished. Oh, yeah. There's no question. And I think for um... – for Ross, you know, he's an owner, a million and a half, cool. He'll just go watch games on his yacht and return to the stadium, you know, in mid-October. It's The big thing is, you know, losing the draft picks, and I know they've acquired other ones from other teams, but, you know, it's interesting that Tom Brady, uh, the three forfeitures of first-round picks in NFL history, you know, Spygate, Deflategate, Tampergate, I guess we won't add gate to it, but you might as well for consistency. Uh, Tom Brady's attached to all of those, Dan. Coincidence? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Too, too uh, yeah, tough to yeah. say, I think I just, it's fair. It's, I think it's fair. I mean, come on. He holds a lot of NFL records. He also holds that one. Were you surprised? I wasn't. That because, like, I, I last thing when it comes to tampering, I, I had some guys on with me um, yesterday morning, and we were discussing it. And like everybody tampers. I'm like, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but you, that's like saying everyone breaks the law. Well, some people speed, and some people do pretty heinous like there's different levels of tampering i personally reaching out to sean payton's agent who also represents brady uh in january right that's not as big a deal to me i'm not saying it's cool he's under contract but that's not as big a deal to me as having a player under contract twice with two different teams bringing him onto a yacht talking about giving him ownership and other things like that's a diff- Those are not the same level of tampering in both instances. So I, I, I wasn't just going to be like, ah, everyone tampers, whatever. Like, I thought the Brady thing was, was kind of serious, but hey, hey, you know, he's the GOAT. He just turned 45. Yay. We're not, I mean, he, it, it wasn't like Miami was tampering with himself. I mean, he was a party to it, according to reports. So uh, I wasn't surprised that Brady wasn't punished because, you know, it's we talked about optics of everything, but were you surprised that it, it, it had nothing to do with him at all and it was just a punishment for Stephen Ross and the Dolphins? Um, you know, at least the way the NFL viewed it is that the Dolphins were the ones behind the outreach. They initiated the outreach. So I get that version of it. Um, but then again, right, what was Brady offered? Brady was offered to start for a team while being a part owner of the team. So that's got to be a pretty attractive option. Um, you know, so... I don't know, take, take it for what it's worth. And also for, for the Dolphins' perspective, right, they'd be competing against, you know, the New England Patriots twice a, twice a year, Belichick, uh, you know, over in Foxborough. Um, I think that was probably a pretty attractive option for Brady to, to do. Um, but to your, your larger point and why, you know, if you're trying to figure out why I don't 
by, by the suspension related to tampering. We hear tampering allegations a lot. Like right now, maybe underneath the radar to some, the NBA is investigating the New York Knicks for tampering with respect to the signing of Jalen Brunson and the Philadelphia 76ers with respect to the signing of James Harden and a couple other guys because those they believe conversations occurred during a period where you, you were not able, allowed to talk to those players. So, I don't know, that happens once a year, twice a year, three times a year in, in pro sports, maybe more than that. Um, and, I don't know, we don't see suspensions of owners. That that doesn't happen, right? We don't see forfeitures or first-round picks. Sometimes you, you can lose a second-round pick in, in, you know, in NBA circles. But it's a pretty uh, – and a, and a $1.5 billion fine. So these were kind of unprecedented suspensions with respect to tampering. Now, have we ever heard of a suspension with respect to bribery? <laughs> not not really. No. Um, so I, I think – you know, in the future, you know, Scott, maybe a year, two years, three years from now, I'll come back on your show and I'll say, hey, you know, someone will say there's no there's never been a punishment before for bribery allegations. And I'll be like, let's go back to Stephen Ross over here. That's that's what I think this was. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, if for your smart fans, I, I, I do think this was certainly a, a bribery punishment cloaked as a as a as a uh, tampering one. Dan Lust has been our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Sports Law Lust. Check out the Conduct Detrimental podcast uh, and you know when it comes to the intersection of sports and law he is your go-to and um it's always great talking to you man thanks for the the knowledge and the education and uh, i i find that side of sports interesting because i'm always following the story within the story um and you know why the why these leagues do specific things it's never as simple as well you did something you got punished they're all kind of you know, pieces of that tree and a lot of branches to it. And you do a great job of breaking those down and, uh, and bringing it to life in, in terms that our audience can understand. So I appreciate it, man. Continued success. And uh, let's talk again in the future. Thank you, Scott. Anytime. My pleasure. All the best. That is Dan Lust. And that is it for the Great Scott Show. Big thanks to Coach Michael Desimo, to Hollis Conway, to Dan Lust. Tomorrow, Gus Kattengill will be on. We'll talk to Brad Topham. We'll do a little Seamhead segment, talk some Major League Baseball. And uh, we'll have some player interviews with some Raging Asian football players, uh, including quarterbacks Ben Walrich and Chandler Fields. That's coming your way tomorrow on The Great Scott Show. That's it for me. The Dan Patrick Show's next. Talk to you tomorrow.